Welcome to the Israel Conversation by Massah Leadership and Impact Center, the content engine behind Massah Israel Journey. We bring contemporary, challenging, and compelling Israel issues to light in ways that help us stay connected with what's really going on on the ground. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host... Liel Zahaviasa. How are you doing, Liel? I'm good. It's been a while. It's true for us, although for the listeners, I think it comes out pretty regularly. We just... We recorded some of them earlier on. Um, the topic for today is the travel restrictions, really going out of Israel is our main topic, but the travel restrictions in general and the fact that our prime minister decided not to particularly worry about them after they were given. And for that, we have a special guest. Liel, would you in- introduce our guest, please? Yeah, absolutely. So today's guest is Josh Kunin. He is a political analyst and former political advisor, as well as a licensed Israeli tour guide and tour operator. Having grown up in Australia, he now runs an Israeli-based company called International Political Seminars, which arranges political-based study tours in Israel and and the United States, South Africa, Europe, and Australia. His clients include include government ministers, parliamentarians, diplomats, journalists, students, lay leaders, and political junkies. Josh owns and operates a separate company called Pizzazz Israel Tours, which operates more traditional Israel tours and continues to write on political issues of interest. Welcome, Josh. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. Great to be here. So can you talk about the piece you wrote in the Times of Israel about just sort of lay out for our listeners? And we'll put a link to it, but you sort of had, is it fair to say you had strong feelings about uh, Prime Minister Bennett's trip or? I had very strong feelings um, about, firstly, we need to be accurate. It wasn't actually Prime Minister Bennett himself. It was his family. It was his wife. Um, And I'm sure that his wife has her own I mean, I'm sure that his wife is a, she's an intelligent woman. I'm sure she makes decisions for herself. Um, but what irritate, what, what got to me about this was that the Israeli government um, closed the borders to, to foreign um, tourists very, very fast um, without waiting for information. And during the press conference where this happened, Naftali Bennett himself was asked whether Israelis should consider canceling their overseas trips, and he recommended that they did. Now, just mm-hmm. a few days later, his own wife went overseas. I've spent a lot of time around politicians, and um, my assumption, my very, very strong assumption would be that if the prime minister had very strong evidence that the Omicron, that the new variant constituted the danger that, that he said it did, he would have shared that information with his family. At the end of the day, it wasn't only him going overseas, it was his children. It wasn't only his wife going overseas, rather, it was his children as well. Um, when his wife went overseas, and we need to note that um, while she didn't go somewhere that's that's a red country, a country Israelis can't go to, this was a pleasure trip, as far as we understand. It wasn't a trip to go to some kind of, of family emergency. Um when she, it was like she a Hanukkah vacation. It was like a, it was a Hanukkah vacation. When she did go overseas, it seemed to me like the like the prime minister obviously either didn't have the information and it acted prematurely um, and now wasn't willing to to admit that, or had acted for political for his own political benefit. Had tried to show he was stronger on COVID than Netanyahu. Had tried to show how decisive he was. Um, and really, this hurts three groups of people. Firstly, and I think. Least, I think we can say least seriously. It, it hurts Israelis who've booked um, who've booked holidays during Hanukkah, which was many, many Israelis. Many of them, not all, but many of them, cancelled their tours, trusting that the prime minister was acting in good faith. Um, 
Naftali Bennett, and, and I don't begrudge him this, but Naftali Bennett is a very wealthy man and his family is very wealthy. The Israelis, many of them who canceled their trips, incurred significant costs. And for them, it may be much harder to earn the money to, to put towards a trip like that. That was one group I felt was hurt. The second group are Olim. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, we've heard horrible, horrible stories about Olim who haven't been able to get their families in at really crucial times. Um, people who, grandparents who've been unable to come and support their, 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 their own children at, at their grandchildren's funerals. Well, one case like that specifically, um, pair, grandparents and, and unable to come in for, for their grandchildren's birth to help their, their daughters um, and all sorts of other things. And also where exceptions have been made, absolute um, and total disorganization and, and inconsistency. For example, bar mitzvahs, Grandparents have been allowed in for bar mitzvahs, but not bat mitzvahs. It seems like all of this was done very fast without much thought in terms of, in terms of um, closing the borders. And finally, the, the group that's, and, and I have an interest, obviously, in this because I run, I'm a tour operator, but mm -hmm. finally, Israeli tour operators were very badly hurt. We had Israeli tourism, at least, at least from in my own company and from my colleagues that I spoke to, we were, we were shocked how fast tourism was is coming back. People really want to travel to to Israel. We had bookings, we had bookings right through December, leading up to Christian bookings, leading up to Christmas. We had bookings over Hanukkah. Um, all of that is is slammed shut. The Israeli tourism industry employ, employs somewhere around one hundred and fifty thousand people, from what uh, um, directly, I believe, and and more indirectly. Um, those people have have not worked or have worked very little most of them for the last two years. They've had to worry about how to put bread on the table every night. Mm -hmm. Finally, they saw the end, the light at the end of the tunnel and, and then the government shuts them down once again, restoring, bringing back all of those issues. Now, again, if there was a, if, if I believed there was a true health, um, right. if I believed the prime minister not, was doing You're not this saying the that there should be a public health shutdown ever. Sometimes I you need say, to. Yeah. Right. I would say that it should happen in extreme cases. And I would also say, um, so I would say it should happen in extreme cases. You know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember 9-11. And I remember that after 9-11, there was a slogan, be alert, not alarmed. And it feels to mm -hmm. me that more recently, we've kind of reversed that, not entirely reversed that, but instead of trying to urge calm, our political leaders have been urging alarm at the first opportunity. And they seem to be benefiting from that. And I think that's what's going on here, and it's hurting a lot of people, unfortunately. And I would say into that third group, it's not only the, I, I assume you agree, it's not only the tour guides running the tours, but there's all sorts of businesses, people who make their business providing the f food or the buses or the hotels. I mean, it, that's, that third category expands to a whole sector of the Israeli economy that makes its living off tourism. Right. It's a huge, it's a huge, um, it's a huge number of people. It's a tour guides. It's bus tour. It's bus drivers who drive tourists. It's um, as you said, hotels, caterers to hotels, um, caterers to to tour companies. That many tour up often when we have tourists in the field will order food into the field. It's it's um, people working at the tourist attractions themselves. Right. It really is a very expansive field, and that's in the first circle of, of people affected. You then have other circles like restaurants that are located next to hotels that are still operating but they're not going to do they're not going to do the same type of business they normally would that then leads to them having to to lay off staff 
That and interconnected really web is, of people who make money mm-hmm. from tourism in Israel is absolutely is a huge chunk enormous. of Israelis. Yeah, enormous, and um, and it's absolutely enormous. I also think, by the way, that um, tourism that Israel the one of the ways Israel is able to get its message out to the world is is through tourism. I can tell you that I had a group that was supposed to arrive. Um, on Monday, hopefully the hopefully the restrictions will end on Sunday night. But we we couldn't take that risk. We've delayed that group to January. It was a group of diplomat of Australian journalists, diplomats, and former advisors to the Prime Minister's office. Um, these are people that we want to get our message out to, and, and I think we're being stopped from doing that as well by by these restrictions. And unfortunately, it looks um, doesn't look great when you when you cancel when you close very, very fast when the rest of the world doesn't. It, it erodes confidence in booking a future trip, in coming to visit Israel. Young Jews start to think, start to worry whether they'll be able to come on their, their birthright trip, so they decide to go somewhere somewhere else instead. And I feel like all of this was done for internal political consumption rather than really for health reasons. Well, I will say that in for, a... I don't know if the government in Australia is really going to complain about too many shutdowns, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the government in Australia is not going to complain about yeah. about. But shutdowns. your point is well taken. I but, was just picking on Australia because, yeah. yeah. However, I will say the government of Australia has been much more has been much calmer in the face of the Omicron threat. They have said very clearly they won't be reinstating restrictions. Mm. What at, at least the, the, on the national level. And do you, can you speak more about what you mean about the um, internal political, like the reasons for why this is this is has been done and then continues to to be the situation during the during earlier waves of the of the virus um benjamin netanyahu was criticized heavily for not having acted fast enough to close down uh to close down the airport which is actually somewhat strange because i think israel was the first country in the world to ban all tourists during the pandemic but in later waves netanyahu was criticized for leaving the airport open for Israelis to travel, um, not imposing restrictions fast enough, um, and was also seen as doing that politic- for, for his own political reasons, for co- in order to maintain the stability of his coalition. He had coalition partners, for example, in the ultra-Orthodox sector, ultra-Orthodox parties that, that wanted to ensure that foreign yeshiva students could come in easily or that religious Israelis could travel to to spend to their pilgrimage in Uman and Rosh Hashanah. The fact Netanyahu was seen as having acted um, out of personal interest in not closing the borders faster. And I think that Bennett was trying to contrast himself with Netanyahu, show that he is not beholden to, to any interest groups. However, when Netanyahu was criticized for all of this, Israel didn't have a vaccination rate like it does. In fact, if I remember right, the, the vaccine wasn't available yet when any of this happened. So it was, to me at least, a very, very different, a very different um, time, a very different time, and we were in a very different place. But so I think that's what, what's frustrating you is the overreaction of the Bennett government and sending out the family isn't what's galling you. It's that that indicates that they didn't really, that at the highest levels of governance, they didn't really believe that it was so dangerous. Right. It's, it's not the ban. The ban, it's not just, the, the ban does irritate, does, does get to me because I think that it's an, I think it's an overreaction when we look at what the rest of the world is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
However, what really gets to me, as you said, is that it doesn't, it looks like this was done out of, in, for internal political considerations um, when, the, when senior ministers didn't believe in it themselves, or at least maybe we can't say senior ministers, we can say at least it doesn't appear the prime minister believes in it. Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe the prime minister has, his wife thinks independently and decided to travel abroad. But as I said at the very beginning and in my article, my assumption would be that if the prime minister really thought that the variant was this dangerous and at the press conference he convened, um, he really mm-hmm. did speak about this being an emergency situation, about us being in unknown territory. If he really had information to suggest that, I would have thought he would have shared that with his, with his family, with his, with his wife. He would have looked to stop his own children being taken on a holiday. Um, and by the way, there are great places to holiday in, in Israel with the mm-hmm. tourism sector. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Suffering as it is, I would have thought that the prime minister, if he wanted Israelis to cancel their, if he really thought Israelis needed to cancel his holiday, he could have led by example and had his wife um, and encouraged his wife to take a holiday with in Israel, supporting the Israeli tour providers who are being badly hurt at the moment. Yeah, I, I, very much to your credit, I don't, I don't think you're claiming that you have absolute inside information on what's going on in anybody's head or in any, you know, in the room where it happens. You're, you're just saying, based on what we see as citizens, here's how it looks to me, and that frustrates me. I think that's a, I think everything you're saying, Absolutely. It, it's valid because you're saying this is how it looks to me. You know, the way, if, if you were Absolutely. telling me, I know why he did it then it would be, but you're not. You're saying, look, as a citizen, part of the job of government is to message to me clearly and make things make sense to me. It's a democracy. You want me to rehire you at the ballot box, then explain things to me in a way that makes sense. And when your behavior is incoherent, then that makes me, I don't know. Listen, I, I, I do think there's another layer of the problem. And we saw this with the prime minister and the present, the previous, in the previous administration where, you know, here are the rules and then they would kind of fudge them for Pesach where they would have their family over in the, yeah. And it's a very, you know, one of the things that English speakers are used to in the countries where we come from is this sort of assumption that came, you know, back from Magna Carta days, which is when there's social problems, you fix the structure and that makes things better for everybody. And so everybody has to at least try to respect the rules so that we can all get along better. And that's just not a very Middle Eastern concept. You know, lanes where you drive on the highway are just sort of suggestions. And, you know, the lines for where you park your car, as long as you're sort of in that range, I guess that's good enough. You know, I wouldn't want you to spend 30 seconds readjusting to fit in the lines because that's what makes society work better. But so so when when Israeli leaders do things like this and I'm not I don't I don't make this point to minimize your point about the economic and social and political effect of this I think that's probably more centrally important than what I'm pointing out but when leaders including the president I was really shocked when Ruvi Rivlin had and and I, he had just lost his wife and he wanted his kids and his grandkids to have a seder with him so of course your mm-hmm. heart your heart goes out to him but what you're telling Israelis is that the, you're, you're supporting this sort of Middle Eastern ethos of, look, you just do what you got to do. There are rules, but they're not for you. You cut to the head of the right. line. There is no line. Everybody fight to get to the counter first because we don't believe in lines here. We don't, we don't believe in structure. We don't believe in order. Everybody take care of themselves. I, I, I think that's mm-hmm. unhealthy 
for Israeli society. Now, I, I don't I don't think this is again, I don't think I think your issue is a more important central issue. But I do think that the fact that at this point we kind of expect our Israeli leaders to to well do what I say, not what follow what I say, not what I do, uh is really yes, disappointing. I think that's right, except that if you look at um if you look at what Naftali Bennett, if you look at the, the basis of Naftali Bennett being elected, it's essentially, he's essentially been elected to not be Benjamin Netanyahu. I mean, right. there's very little, mm. there's little, very little else holding his coalition together. And it, it goes to optics again, but this seemed like something that, to me at least, that Israelis would have expected from the, the Netanyahu government in that, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of criticism of the previous government that its ministers were were flouting the rules. And the one thing Bennett the one thing that the prime minister could have this is the, the worst thing the prime minister could do at this point is to is to kind of kind of suggest that he's that do something that we'd seen previously because he loses the the image at least in my eyes of having of being the image that he's something he's something different he's not benjamin netanyahu we hadn't seen at least that i can recall any kind of scandal with rules breaking during the fourth wave of of the COVID virus here in Israel, and maybe I'm mm-hmm. forgetting something, but I think there was a period when we didn't see that. And for Naftali Bennett, I think this is enormously damaging simply because it reminds Israelis of what happened um, under the previous government. And really the only justification he, he, the only reason he's in that seat is to, is because enough people perceive him as being somewhat cleaner, I think, than the, than the previous leadership, rightly or wrongly. Um, that's, That's how he also ran. Right. That was his whole campaign. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I, I do think there are, to- I, I think he has, and, and here we're really more talking about optics, but but I do think yeah. like, for instance, when the, the couple was released from Turkey and came back to Israel and both Bennett and Foreign Minister Lapid were offered by their staffs like, oh, you should meet them at the airport and do a big photo op of the greeting. That's what Netanyahu did with Gilad Shalit and all that. And, they, and both of them intuitively responded, we're not. They just got right. back. Like, give them a minute to breathe. We're not turning that into our political. You do see, even in their presentation of optics, I, I, I think it's not just, oh, how do we show that we're different than Netanyahu? I do think they're different than Netanyahu. I think they play right. a little bit differently, but they're still politicians and they're still... And, and this, to me, is like a rookie mistake. Like, it's how did you not very- see... Uh, uh, either... either Go on the vacation and say, "Hey, my fam- When you when the person asks, "Can we go on vacation?" Say, "My family is." You know, if you that's a personal decision. We've decided as a family that it's worth the risk. But you do you have you know we have to understand we're taking risk. Or you know say something like that. Or don't go on the family vacation and then say, "I really think everyone should cancel their family vacations." We just did right. Like right. that's Absolutely. a that's 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 just sloppy at a pre- you it know at a presser. That, that you weren't thinking on your toes enough to be forthright. And that's an right. indication of, of a lack of, I, I don't know, I don't want to be too mean, but it, it's a lack of character. It's a lack of character. To me, it reflects, an, it reflects a feeling that everything was hastily convened, that not enough time went into, yeah. went into thinking about how to handle this. And maybe also that the prime minister was rushing to get, into, was rushing to get out there to show how strong he was instead of taking... He was moving too fast because he wanted to be the first, I think, leader to get out there and to make sure that he got 
out before the opposition did and and to show uh, to gain political advantage they didn't take the time to stop to think um and also to prep and that's it's it's a big big problem both because again i don't believe that they acted entirely in good faith from what i'm seeing and also because it sends even if even if they did believe that the even if they did act in good faith it sends a double message to israelis and then detracts from their detracts from their message um and does and does damage i mean that damage could have been minimized by by waiting and thinking things through just a little bit longer our listeners abroad might not realize or might not remember that during the Netanyahu administration, Bennett, as just a, a, a member of the opposition, kept making these internet videos about how to stay safe in the time of corona. These little how-tos right. of how to go on the elevator and how to—I don't remember. It was like a whole bunch of—he he really, he really pr- presented himself as— Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 sort of the implicit message. Which, well, this is the sort of thing government should be doing, but they're not. So I'm going to do it from the opposition because I do care about you. Um, so a little bit, I think, part of it also is the momentum of portraying himself as the guy who takes COVID seriously. So right. that that political character has to say it's dangerous. Okay, but in Correct. this case, if you're right, Josh, in in your reading, and it's a pretty reasonable reading of the tea leaves. In this particular situation, he could say, "Look, in this one, we really don't know." And I, I also think, I, I also think that in general, and here I'm just expressing, <clears throat> this is totally anecdotal. At least we, I, I feel like during the Netanyahu administration, whether where when we thought it was being handled well or not well, we weren't as confused about what the rules were. Right. And in the current administration, I never really know. Like people from abroad will say, you know, oh, should I buy a ticket? And I'm like, I don't I don't get what's going on right now. Like like right. right now I do know that they've pretty much shut it down. But in the weeks preceding, you know, as Delta yeah. waned and people were yeah. calling me from the state saying, like, well, I don't know what this story is now. And I would say, I don't either. It's very right. the messaging is is unclear. Right. Um the messaging is very unclear. Firstly, I agree. Bennett tried to create this image that he knew how to handle a pandemic. And that's why I think he rushed out there to show he was strong, to show he could do that. And why I think it was about politics and not health advice based on his what on the letter conduct. Um, I think the messaging has been very unclear. Um, certainly um, in the tour, in the tourism sector, I can tell you that there have been issues where hotels have been told that they can't um, they can't accept people who are in isolation. But um, but they but anyone coming from the airport was in isolation for up to tw- until they received their negative COVID test for right. a couple of hours. People were turning up at hotels and being told you have to sit in. We can't check you in, so you've got to sit in the lobby. In the meantime, these same people were supposedly in uh. isolation and were now sitting around potentially infecting other guests. The messaging mm. to to foreigners has been absolutely terrible, and I'd say to Israelis as well. Um, and this is, it, it's it's a problem because, I mean, I've, I've, I've traveled a little bit during the pandemic. I've seen other countries doing it much, much better. I've seen countries that are not that dissimilar to ours, countries that middle, other Mediterranean-type countries like Greece, which maybe you associate a little bit with Bala, with kind of Israeli Balagan, just seem to be much more organized and much more sort of really? adept at 
at when I was there, at least that's what I saw. Much I've more never heard of Greece my, referred to as <laughs> really yeah. okay. Yeah, because it's uh, known, you know, Greece, Italy are, you know, those sort of, those southern, those Mediterranean countries also have that sort of Lucy. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's what I mean. It was much more, it seemed yeah. much more organized. They were much more, wow. they were, um, which I think has to do with a, with an investment in, in the tourism, in the tourism sector, which is important in of itself. But in Greece's case, I'd say this is solely an economic issue. For Israel, it's a little bit mm. different because Israel wants to claim to be the nation state of the Jewish people. And the longer this goes on, the more and more um, young Jews you have who are going to be disconnected from Israel. I mean, we, all three mm. of us, work with work with Massar groups, and Massar is an amazing amazing program. I, I mean, I think we'd all encourage mm-hmm. anyone listening to, to get on another Massar tour, encourage their siblings and their friends to do it. But... Bottom line is that okay, okay, most young we get Jews it. don't have <laughs> most young Jews don't have that. Um, most young Jews are not going to come on Masa, and right. programs like Birthright haven't been running. Um, when you disconnect, when you when you remove that, Birthright has become a huge, huge connection between Israel and the diaspora over many years. It's become a huge, I think, a, a way that that. People end up returning to Judaism, return to uh, end up making Aliyah as well. Also, end up subsequent after birthright signing up to longer term programs. I think that the fact that you've got birthright that you've had birthright suspended for a, a year and a almost two years means that you've got you've got thousands and tens of thousands of young Jews who have lost who would have been connected to Israel who aren't. Um, for Israel, it's not just, I mean, it is tourism, but it's not just the, the Jewish state element adds something that isn't there with other states. And the government of Israel seems to not be overly worried about that. Personally, well, I they did allow, that, I was just going to say, yeah. they did allow the um, visa, like visas for Massah participants and yeshivas and seminaries and things like that already the beginning of last year. So right. for they the long-term the programs, that was a real uh, precedent. Oh. Look, they definitely let in long-term programs, but most kids, most young people, just don't have the right. ability to come on it. And and also as and as important as long-term programs are, and abs- and they're definitely very very important. The people who come on long-term programs are not usually the people who are trying to connect to Judaism. They already have that connection. That's why they're here. Um, yeah. I think they're losing a lot of people there. Um, and I think that's a problem. I also worry, by the way, um, I remember when South Africa was put on um, the red list for the first time during the original South African variant. Uh, I think it was around June or July. Um, at the time, there was um, there was quite a bit of violence um, in, in and around the city of Durban in South Africa, which has a reasonably small Jewish community. And... Um, I got message. I remember getting messages from people, yeah, Jews I know in Durban. I'm, I'm, I grew up in Australia, but I was born in South Africa. I, I remember getting messages from people, relatives, saying, you know, if we have to run because there's violence against the Jewish community, do you think Israel would actually let us in at the moment? Because they were turning South Africans back with no real mechanism to assess, to assess anything. And to me, there's a real slippery slope when you lock Jews out of the Jewish state. For a long period, you create a really slippery slope where Jews start not knowing if they can get into Israel in an hour of need, and that's something that I really think is is a precedent we've never seen in the in the since the establishment of the state, and is a big, big issue. On the one hand, um, I'm very sympathetic to that, and 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 I heard that also from 
you know, I'm obviously from the States, but I, I heard from a lot of people in the States this feeling like, and this was during the first wave of lockdown. Like, how can they not let us in? I thought Israel's doors were always open. And I think the distinction that you're making really matters. In other words, you have to understand in Durban, if, if you're in a Jewish community facing in danger physically because you're Jewish, I, I, I assume, I would hope, I would be shocked if the Israeli government didn't uh, say, well, that's a, that's a, we have to, the purpose, one of the purposes of Israel is to, right. is that you can come here to be safe. But that's different then let's all lock down because there's a pandemic. So then, oh, but I don't like no how one. my state is in the States is handling the their pandemic policy. So I want to get on a plane and go to Israel. Well, no, right. we're locking down now. Like that's not, right. that doesn't, I, the, the, that's a weird danger. And I think it's a real danger. I think you're right. You're putting your finger on something that it makes Jews feel like they don't have, well, for instance, the prime minister, not the prime no, the, the the chief rabbi of South Africa. I'm sorry, that came out. Yeah, and we should old. be. We should also clarify that in the end, nothing happened to the Jewish community in South Africa. Yeah, and the South African which government is what stepped you in and did the right but thing. The, but but the chief rabbi of but, South uh, Africa said, you know, when Israel doesn't allow us to travel to Israel, even during a pandemic, it sends us a message that we're second class citizens. Well, you're not citizens. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, right. you have. There is a law of return that says you can be a citizen anytime you want, and you're for when no one's judging your choice to not be a citizen. But then there's there's repercussions of not being a right. citizen. If you want to make Aliyah, even during the pandemic, Israel was allowing people to make Aliyah. So right. even during the so I, well, I think it's that we, tension between being an insider and an outsider, right? Because essentially, it, all the Jewish people around the world, Israel belongs to them, and we're here for you, correct. and we're here for us, and there's correct. that connection. But then it's there's there's an element of being really on the inside. Citizenship is just a technicality. Right. Yeah. But it is a technicality that needs to be dealt with. And so I think, you know, this is something in our communication with, you know, we're all in the same business, basically. I think, I don't think we've been clear enough in our, in our Zionist education that that right. technicality really is a thing that matters. Like, it's not, it's not just, you're this... I don't. I don't know exactly, I'm not totally thought out because we don't really address these things, but I do think... That the in other words, what did you answer to your friends from Durban? Um, I answered that I, I I think if I answered that I thought they'd be I, if they had to I thought they'd be okay, but I could I didn't know for sure. Right. Um, but I have the same intuition that if, if they were saying we're right. in danger, take us in, they'd come in. And certainly, if they said we're in danger, we want to be citizens. Right. Right. Um, Although at that time Israel wasn't letting anyone in from South right. Africa, including yeah, citizens, they weren't. Right. Yeah. Which was but it's, I, I, it's I, funny because the government sends two two different messages. Because on one hand, it's we're here for all the Jews of the world, and we send out um, you know aid group aid organizations when we you know, when there's crisis crises all over the world. But on the other hand, in this case, our doors were actually very much closed. Um, so right. it's also right. like a sort of a double messaging. But but I think um, and, and let's put aside that that this was mishandled because the danger wasn't as real as it was presented perhaps or yeah. it was it was an overabundance of caution that yeah. was inappropriate. Yeah. Let's let's assume right. But let's assume for the moment that wasn't the case that this was well analyzed and the shutdown made public health policy when when Jews out of the country say well you have to let us in to flee COVID in our country even though that means endangering Jews in Israel. I don't know. That mm -hmm. is complicated. Like that's uh, right. It, and again, without any judgment, whether you choose to live here or there, 
there are consequences to living here or there. And you can't say, right. well, when, it, when there's rockets flying, I sure am glad I live in South Africa or Canada or wherever. But right. when, when there's a COVID outbreak in South Africa, I want to go to Israel. Like, I do think it's complicated. I think that's a very complicated topic. So, look, yeah. I think all of this is complicated. By the way, I, I, I think, to me, I don't want to say machmir in English, uh, stringent, not stringent. I don't know. I'll say it the best I can. Like, I think that yeah. the, like, like I think the problem of the that the government's having is the way you show that you're serious about public health issues. It's not that I want to be like, oh, I'm always very harsh and immediate to jump at the strictest possible rule. It's that I'm going to listen to, I'm going to follow the science carefully and strategically, and uh, con- like, what what was your term you used from nine eleven? Be alert, not alarmed. Yeah, I'm not going to be alarmed, but I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be judicious in how I interpret the information. We're going to sit down. We're going to be deliberate. If that takes a day or two, I would rather do that than, than you know, fly off and do something because there are... Right. Yeah, and I, I don't think... I, 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 I agree with you. And again, it's, it's a perception thing, but I think that matters in politics. It I don't think we, ha- we have a feeling that that's what they're doing. Look, when I was advising politicians, perception was perception always always mattered. Um, we perception always matters in politics, um, and I also think that in Israel right now, there's a perception among a lot of people that the health that the the kind of health policy there's no longer a health policy. There's a COVID policy, which means that we're prepared right. to sacrifice everything else, people's mental yeah. health and everything else, to look either for for COVID or to look. To look like we're doing the right thing to be to be strong on on COVID. We're prepared to shut foreigners out, even though there are. I mean, Israel is a country of immigrants. Even if we leave, even if we leave um, immediate Olim, new Olim aside, there are a huge portion of the country has has relatives overseas that are suddenly locked oh, out, yeah. being locked away from them. Has yeah. has other health issues. Um, it's hard for me to kind of. To to, I don't know whether to. I feel like it was all done politically, so I don't know whether it's a whether it's a health issue, whether it's an issue that that the health policy became has become a COVID policy because the health authorities have kind of got got distracted quite genuinely, or if it's because authorities on a political level feel like there's there's benefit in doing that. But in any case, that's what I think's happened. I think we've we've kind of in Israel we've unfortunately. Given up a health policy, given up trying to run a health policy in 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 and in place of trying to run a COVID policy. Well, I do ha- I do have a certain amount of sympathy for leaders and policymakers in that we're all so exhausted by all of this. We're just sick of it. Right. And when the Delta wave was diminishing, and then we heard Omicron, every single one of us was like, "Oh, are you <laughs> kidding me?" Right. And, and we who are busy doing all the different things we're doing, for the policymakers who are in charge of this, this is like soul crushing. And so when they say, you know what, let's just err in the side of caution and shut it down and we'll deal with the consequences. Like I, I have a certain amount of sympathy, but, um, but where my sympathy ends is, okay, but that's your job. Like, like get this right. right. You really have to, or, or say, we're going to spend, we're going to do a overly cautious three-week shutdown for everyone. We're going to analyze the data, and that's really a bad time of year to do a three-week shutdown. But after that three weeks, right. we're going to reassess based on we're going to have a lot more data 
on the effects of Omicron and what it is, and we're going to release to the public art. In other words, that that mature deliberation, if was expressed, right. there was no sense of mature deliberation. Yeah, that's what's bothering. I us, actually I remember. I actually got a call from. Um, I, I was with a group in the old city. I was. I mean, as as we said in the introduction, I'm a tour. I run a couple of sort of tourism companies, educational tourism, but I'm also a guide. I was guiding a group in the old city in Jerusalem um, on the, I think the the press conference happened on a Friday. I was guiding on the Thursday and one of, um, I said already, I had this group of sort of prominent Australian political type people coming. One of them messaged me, he's stationed in the Netherlands and he messaged me saying, um, I wish the trip was starting this, the trip was sort of starting 10 days from then. I wish it was starting this Sunday because I'm worried that the Israeli government is going to stop us from, just before mm-hmm. we heard of Omicron, I'm wow. worried the Israeli government's going um, to put a ban on people coming in from the Netherlands because, um, because our case numbers are high, our Delta cases. Mm-hmm. And I wrote back saying, I think you're going to be okay. That morning, Israel had just announced that they were going to start in- accepting antigen tests instead of PCR tests for people coming in. I wrote back to him saying, look, I think... Israeli government's poli- the Israeli government, everything the Israeli government is doing seems to be indicating that it's taken the decision that that it's got a kind of uh, that it's taking a rational approach that it's not going to do anything in a very that it's not going to institute anything in a snap kind of way. It's going to it, it, basically if something was on the cards, you would have heard about it. It would have been mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. We're not hearing anything. All the signs are going the other way. I think you'll be fine and. That kind of deliberate, that was what was missed the next day. That was what was missing. It came as a huge, a big, big surprise to me because it was so right. fast. It looked like right. it's, it came out of nowhere. Um, it seemed more instinctive than deliberative. Right. And also no one else in the world, and there are a few countries that have done this, but most of the Western, if you look at comparable countries with comparable health systems, I mean, there are not many that have, no one else seems to be taking such drastic steps. Um, the United States, Canada, as far as I know, the UK, which has far worse mm-hmm. cases than Israel does right now. None of them seem to have been ta- to take these steps, which raises the question about whether their health advice is fundamentally different to ours, which seems unlikely to me. I mean, we know that health professionals share data and talk around the world, or whether there was different uh, political mm-hmm. imperative incentive that that was perceived by leaders here than in other places. Well, I, I, you know, I very much appreciate your your analysis, but also the although you clearly are passionate about it, you're 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 expressing yourself in exactly the way that we like to talk on this podcast, which is, you know, you're you're not you're not you're you're calm in your passion, and you're not you're, right. you you feel very strongly, but. You're reasonable. You're willing to give the other side a hearing, and so that's why I think, you know, from from a person who so much of his business comes from tour guiding, I think you're an important voice for people to listen to and take into account. Obviously, yeah. human life. Look, one thing we have to say, and you know, I'm a religious person, so I'll say thank God, but but also thank the government, both administrations and our healthcare professionals. We've had a lot of cases. But per capita, thank God, every death obviously is a horrible tragedy. But Israel's managed to keep the death count pretty low. And, you know, there's long COVID and there's a lot of suffering. I'm not minimizing the damage it's done to Israel. But overall, we've navigated, and nobody's done a perfect job in any country. But we have got some things right. And so obviously, 
you know, while we appreciate that, it's important to understand that this, at this point in the game, they, they, they really still need to be level-headed and careful and deliberate and not swing willy-nilly in any direction. And then, you know, the sending your family on vacation, I don't know if it was exactly a Ted Cruz's family going to Mexico during the disasters in Texas, no. but it wasn't exactly that sort of, but it was, but it was just another punch in the gut. Of of, it of was. that that you know we're, yeah. we're all just feeling so beat up already, like guys. So right. then you you weren't so serious, like uh So right, yeah. So like we, you know, it obviously hits you in your in your wallet differently than it hits a lot of people. But that's exactly why we need to hear from you and your opinion because you're voicing articulately and fairly and reasonably. The position of a lot of people who, I mean, this is, we're supposed to take care of each other. And I don't think you were well taken care of by that behavior. Um, and no, that matters. Look, I mean, we, I think I can say for the whole industry, we don't feel like we've been well, well taken care of. Yeah. Um, there's been no compensation. The minister keeps promising a compensation package. None of us have seen it. And, um, and it's kind of, to me at least, I mean, I'm in a relatively fortunate position. I, I did. I mean, I've kept working because I work with with massage groups. I've worked through most of the year. I've, you know, You're diversified. In your, yeah, right. I'm not desperate, you know, for that package. There are people who are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one. Number two. Um, well, firstly, let me just say that I don't think anyone. In, let me restart by saying I don't think anyone in the industry wants a comp- wants if you to not work and get a compensation right. package. Let's start with yeah. that. Um, everyone in tourism wants to be out working. For me personally, I, you know, pack compensation package is nice. It's not going to make a huge, um, huge difference. What I want to do is be out doing what I love, which is working with with foreign groups and foreign tourists. But there are people who, when told they can't work, need that compensation package. And surely, I would have thought that the 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 government if it's going to make a decision like this needs to have also thought through some of the surrounding ramifications how how do we how do we make sure that people that people who are who are on the 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 breadline essentially are going to survive survive how do we have and even if you don't make it in the first 24 hours you know you you make it you make it a priority and you get there soon afterwards there's a there's a feeling of um that decision making is being um, that there's a feeling of betra- of I'd say betrayal. I know it's a strong word, but I'd say betrayal from from people in the in the industry. I know that tour guides um, simply don't don't trust. They they they're laughing at the tourism minister because he keeps making promises. Um, I mean, he promised he was going to get 10 million tourists, or he, he intends to get 10 million tourists to Israel in the next few years. Um, I mean, the reason that we have a government. Was- Department of Tourism is because it is so vital, not only to our economy, right. it's a huge chunk of the Israeli economy, but also, like you're saying, it politically, public relations, educationally. There's all sorts of reasons it matters to the identity of what Israel is. Right, absolutely. Do we have a sense as to just how, how what the percentage is in terms of what the tourist industry brings into Israel in terms of the budget? Because it seems like I've a big se- blow if it's that if it's that high of a percentage for... I can't remember. I've seen it and I don't remember it. It's I've big. seen figure... It, it's a yeah. It's a it's a substantial, it's a substantial amount. Um, mm. And then you also have the the sort of 
the outer circle of people who who make their money off tourism. There are bars um, in the center of Jerusalem that that have been closed for a year and a half because they're all their clientele is tourists, and no one counts them as part of the tourism industry. Um, yeah. We could find it. Lee, I'll remind me. We'll do research and we'll put it in the written notes on the podcast maybe because uh, that's uh, that's a uh, – I would like to get that number because there is an estimated number. I, I, just, I don't know exactly what it is. But um, – Right. Yeah, look, I, and I can tell you personally, my, my daughter's in-laws live in Melbourne. Right. And so I've been – you know, there have been shutdowns where for a month or two I couldn't see my grandkids – and it's been brutal. And and their other grandparents haven't seen them in two years. Right. I haven't seen my parents in two years. Um, and they've got a new grandchild now. Um, and we get that, you know, I think that there was a huge amount of sympathy. I think that the government, governments around the world were given a lot of, um, a lot of leeway, a lot of, um, for a long time, I think we were willing to, we, we accept, we were willing Populations generally were very willing to err, to err on the side of caution and give the government a lot of support for what it needed to do. And I think that's still there as long as people aren't given a reason to feel otherwise. And I think mm-hmm. that's what the Israeli government has done. Right. By the way, we've right. mentioned Australia a few times. Australia had a v- has had very very strict COVID rules, but they've now mm-hmm. got to. They've now they said from the very start. Uh, I have. Um, that they said from the very start, if we their vaccination campaign started very very slowly, and and mm-hmm. their vaccination take up take up was very very low at the beginning, because they hadn't had a big wave in the past. They said right at the beginning, we when if we get to eighty percent of of people eligible vaccinated two doses, we will open this. If we get to ninety percent, and none of us thought they'd get there, but they did. If we get to ninety percent, we will open the international borders, and there'll be mm-hmm. no quarantine. No mm. quarantine on return, and they stuck to that. And I think that they, and um, I think that there is a faith. There is faith. There was a period where where people where there was a lot of criticism of the government there because the vaccine rollout seemed to be very yeah. slow. But they've won back in my yeah. in my reading. They've won that back because people see there's being seem to feel that there was a logical a logical process that right. they understood what was going on, that it was considered that careful deliberation and then clarity in communication. Yeah. Clarity. I think the key word part there is kept to their word because yeah. what we had in Israel was, was a leader saying, don't go overseas. And then, and then we saw his own family going overseas a few days later. It's a, yeah. it's a very clear contrast. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Josh, thank you so much. And of course, you sure. know, we're all struggling, but everyone has their own. And you know, your industry has a particular your tourist in your in your right. tourism guide hat has suffered uh, in particular. And so, I don't know what to say. Like, uh, but you know, at least our hearts go out to you. I don't know that that helps at okay, all. But it, but, but, it, but no, no. But really, and people talk about it. And you know, I have relatives right. also who, and Liel knows. Like, uh, so hang in there and. Uh, Keep in touch with us and let us know how things are going. And uh, thank you so much for your thoughts and your insights and your sobering but constructive analysis and criticism. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Liel. We don't have to log off, but it's the end of the episode, so I'm stopping the recording. Bye-bye. Masat Israel Journey is dedicated to shaping a promising future for the young Jewish individual, the global Jewish community, and the connection to the state of Israel. Masa offers life-transforming, long-term opportunities in Israel that allows fellows to create their own future. 
Check out MassaIsrael.org for more info.